The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. There are powers on Earth too hidden to be seen and conspiracies too vast to comprehend. For years, the world has seen facts distorted, reality manipulated, and the truth concealed. Tonight, we uncover the real meanings behind ancient aliens and their symbolism. Aliens, angels, the jinn, Elohim, seraphim, cherubim, or interdimensional entities. Are they the same? They have one thing in common. They have full mastery of time and space and are not confined to our three-dimensional reality. They reside between worlds, in pockets known as quantum states. They can coexist between physical and spiritual planes. We'll look into the ancient extraterrestrial phenomenon, the symbolism, and particularly the comparison with flying saucers. We'll look at the controversial possibility that the aliens are not passive observers, but instead have infiltrated human life and are an intrinsic part of the fiber of society. They coexist and live among us as a parallel society. The implications regarding alien intrusion is a staggering argument. For the most part, it's hardly entertained within modern ufology. What is scaphology, angelic sailors, and the alphanum? You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, Divinia water, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Today's special guest is symbologist, comparative linguist, and author, Pierre Sabak. Pierre is an expert on ancient symbolism and etymology, and is widely recognized as a leading academic in the field of religion, mythology, mysticism, and the esoteric. An academic, Pierre Sabak is the author of The Murder of Reality, Hidden Symbolism of the Dragon, and Holographic Culture, which will be the focus of tonight's interview. He is currently writing The Invisible Kingdom and The Angelic Invasion. To learn more, visit his website, PierreSabakBooks.com, which is also linked at ours, and also Pierre Sabak on YouTube. Pierre joins us directly from the UK, which is very late. Hello, Pierre, and welcome to Veritas. Hi there. It's it's brilliant to be on your um, channel. So thank you very much for inviting me. Um, yeah, um, I, I guess we should start right at the beginning, which is scaphology, which is the study of angelic boats and, and vessels. And I think that this might actually surprise your viewers. 
Um, but within the angelological tradition, the angelological traditions are equated with these angelic ships and these angelic vessels. And this is really the remit of scaphology. Scaphology is the study of these boats um, within the religious and uh, mythological tradition. And so scaphology is coming from the Greek etymology of scaph, which is a boat from scapto to dig out. So the conceptualization of these angelic boats or vessels are as these hollow boats or these hollow containers. And certainly within the Judaic and the Mediterranean traditions, the two primary ways of um, describing these boats, and we'll get into this in a little bit more detail later on, is either as a spinning wheel or as a spinning shield. And, and the shield itself is equated with the symbology of the boat, whereas the wheel is equated with the chariot. So the angel and the boat are, are really synonyms. And, and this is important to understand because it's really at the basis of the angelological tradition. And this is really, if you like, a classical discourse which has been edited or redacted. And so when we look at the word classical, when we're referring to classical mythology, what we're actually referring to is classis, which is a naval fleet. Okay, so the etymology of classical is coming from classis, which is a naval fit fleet. And the um, label naval fleet is really relating to the angel. This is the angelic tradition, which is otherwise known as the naval tradition. And, um, and, and so the angel themselves they are depicted as these angelic sailors and so when we go into the etymology of an angel i mean traditionally the greek word angel angelos which is a messenger but when we take this back into the ancient arabic uh, we see that laaka um, which is to um, to give a message where the original root of angel originates from but the word angel is polymorphic and again this is very important when we go into symbolism, and I'm going to try and keep this very, um, shall we say, simplistic for your audience, because sometimes, sometimes my audience says that um, that I tend to go into too much detail, and so I'll, I'll try and keep this um, simple. So therefore, we have what is known within symbology as polymorphic symbolism. Uh, this is a word with multiple meanings, and we find this also with the word angel. So, for example. Malak an angel is polymorphic of Malak a sailor. And so the angels within the ancient Semitic are viewed as angelic sailors. But as I said before, the classical tradition, classis the naval fleet, which appertains to the angelic tradition, is classified. And this is where we um, get our classifications within military um, secrecy. Um, this classified tradition is related to classis, which is a naval fleet, which goes back to the traditions of the angelic sailor. Now, what's very significant is that when we actually delve even further, and particularly when you go into the biblical studies and when you are looking, for example, within the Old Testament and the Torah, um, you have the representation of God as the Lord of the host. And I think that this is really important to emphasize to your viewers that the Lord of the host is really depicted as a Lord of a naval retinue. Okay, so he's a Lord of sailors. And as I said before, these sailors are identified with angelic carriers, which are equated with wheels, which in the Aramaic is the opening wheels, or they're equated with flying shields. But I really want to um, delve into the etymologies of the Lord of the host. So just to repeat, so that the um, viewers are not lost, 
Malak an angel is polymorphic of Malak a sailor. Okay, so the angels themselves are viewed as sailors. And I think it's very interesting that when you go into the rabbinical traditions, uh, the rabbis, they themselves equate the word angel from the root amar, which is um, to, to command, um, to speak or to command, amar. Um, now, again, this is a type of encryption because amar is equated to amar, uh, amara, which is a naval fleet. Again, so the angels themselves are equated with this uh, naval fleet, which is identified with a boat or a ship and is equated with Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of the host. So I really want to try and frame this argument for the audience so that the audience are very clear who and what the Lord of the host is. Now, the Latin word host uh, refers to an invading army. And again, you find this within the Septuagint, for example, within the Greek translation of the Old Testament in which um, host is rendered as stratos, which is an army. Uh, the word stratos informs the English words institu institution, status, statute, as in the law. And as we shall shortly find out, um, I'll explain to you how the um, uh, maritime law is actually equated to this classified tradition or this classical or naval tradition, which is identified with the angelic sailor. So I, I want to now try and frame the argument in terms of Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of the host. Um, the etymology of Sabaoth, um, meaning host, um, Saba is an army, um, but the word can also have a connotation of a naval host, as in Sevet, which is a crew um, um, of a vessel, and again is related to Teva, the modern Hebrew word for an ark, which is used in the Bible to denote both Noah's ark or also the receptacle which carried Moses, the wicker basket which carried Moses. Again, the basket is um, a cytological symbol or it's a symbol of a vessel which is used to denote a boat. And, and it works in a very similar way in the English language. When we say the word vessel, it's polymorphic. It can mean a container or it can also mean a boat. And this is also the same within the Greek and within the Semitic. They use the vessel as a symbology of a boat. So, um, and again, we're seeing that there's a relationship between Saboath, Sabar and Army, Seveta crew, Teva and Ark. And again, we're seeing that there's a relationship between Sabar and Army and Sefer, which is a viper. Now, this is very important because the Lord of the host, in particular, or more specifically, he's identified um, as the Lord of the Seraphic host. Now, what do we mean by the Seraphic host? And I think that this is really important to elaborate to the viewers. And this is certainly hidden behind the occult tradition, um, because within the occult tradition, you have two representations of the angels. So, for example, you have um, proto-human angels who are the cherubim. And then you have the seraphic host or the seraphic angels, which are these non-human angels, which in today's parlance would be identified with an alien. And so and, and both of these um, angelic entities um, are, um, are partitioned within the occult tradition. So when you look at the priesthood, the priesthood itself is split between these partitions, between occult knowledge appertaining to um, the seraphic host, which are these non-human angels. In today's parlance, this would be an alien. And then we've got these proto-human angels, um, again, which are identified with boats. And I think that that's probably a good place for me to elaborate this connection with um, boats and angels so that we can be very, very clear about what we're talking about. But before we do that, and I don't 
I don't really wish to confuse your viewers because when I start talking about angelic sailors, I tend to find that the viewers, they, they tend to um, get a little bit confused by what I actually mean by an angelic sailor. So I think I need to clear this up straight away. The angelic sailor is an alien in today's parlance. The, the um, symbology is equated with what we would identify with an alien. And again, the ancient arcane traditions, they come through into the modern traditions of ufology, into science fiction. So they are this hidden or classified tradition which inform um, modern science fiction. Before you, before so you continue, for, Pierre, I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, sure. I, I want to ask a few questions to dissect a little yes, bit please. more of the eschatology, the, the meaning of the words. I'm very curious sure. just to set a foundation. First of all, that this new book is called the Holographic Culture. Why that title? Also, what mm -hmm. made you dissect all these words and connect dots? Because I'm listening to Maritime Law. And this is something sure. I really want to dissect with you, because as okay. you know, this is the the law of, and I hate to say it, but this is the law of the land at these days, maritime law. What made it so prevalent? See, all these questions are popping up, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but please give Not us those foundations first. Okay, um, what would you like to deal with first of all? The holographic, the holographic culture. Okay, Why holographic the culture. Um, right. When I started looking into the um, angels, I quickly began to realize that the way in which they were represented within the biblical, the Quranic and the apocryphal traditions were they were basically represented as a paradoxical race. And by this, I mean that they were both res uh, represented as physical beings. And so they could be described as an elake, which is the Aramaic word for a high creature or a living God. Again, uh, the terminology is polymorphic. Or they could also be described as the Ruach Elohim, which are the high spirits. Now, the Ruach Elohim, the high spirits, when we break this down, are pretty much equivalent to the jinn, because the word jinn in the Aramaic means a spirit. And so um, the Elohim are described as the jinn. They are interchangeable and again the old etymology for jinn is related to jen which is a serpent or a worm and this actually gives us a clue because as i said earlier the lord of the host the bow of host is related to saba army and sefer for serpent and so the lord of the host is related to the lord of the seraphim the seraphim and the jinn are identified with sirius and again this goes back into astro theology and again you need to go back into the ancient arabic and again this goes back into the angelological tradition um, so going back to the terminology of a holographic culture a holographic culture they've deconstructed the mechanics of waveform reality and by this i mean that they can um come in and out of our our temporal reality now our reality is composed of what pythagoras described as musical notes these different notes equate to different dimensions and they have um, found the means of um, dissecting these different dimensions and therefore um being able to penetrate or in interpenetrate these multiple dimensions so um they are if you like masters of holographic reality 
Uh, now, I believe um, that they are a technological species and that they have deconstructed this scientifically. Um, the evidence for this is found within the apocryphal literature, which describes that they have um, deconstructed knowledge. This is why they can live so long, um, because they are masters over physical matter. And this is equated certainly in the traditions with the um, Greek traditions of the Demiurge. In the Greek traditions, the Demiurge, Demiurgos, is a public craftsman. The public craftsman created humanity. Now, the public craftsman in today's language is a genetic engineer, and the genetic engineer is equated with the planting of life on the earth, which in the Greek traditions is known as panspermia, um, but in the Quranic traditions is referred to as the second creation. And this is important because within the second creation, um, Allah doesn't create man, rather he recreates man from this proto-seed, and this is then planted, which is the Adamic man. So, um, so yes, a holographic culture um, are masters of waveform, and, and this is something which we need to be mindful of. And this is what is causing a lot of, shall we say, schisms or problems within ufology, um, because certainly from, let's say, the nine, late 1970s onwards, uh, the fashion has been that the um, ufological tradition is equated with a control structure, which is much more, shall we say, energetic and which is um, a construct rather than necessarily something which is physical. And so if you like, there is this, um, I call it the alien dialectic, this dialectic or argument between are the entities physical beings with nuts and bolts um, craft or are we dealing here with this control structure which could be spiritual or this um, some kind of energetic force now when you begin to look into this closely and you look certainly within the apocrypha traditions the apocrypha traditions say that they are both spiritual and physical in the same way humanity is both physical and spiritual but what separates the elohim the high ones um, from humanity is that they have deconstructed the waveform. Now, this is not beyond humanity's capabilities. We are on the verge of deconstructing the waveform ourselves. So we are just, if you like, at this precipice of um, being able to um, deconstruct the waveform. We already have the language for the waveform. And again, this idea was going back into um, platonic um metaphor and neoplatonic um, philosophy so within uh, neoplatonic philosophy for, for example the implicated order would be a universal form the universal form is the imaginal realm of ideas which is the spiritual realm which is all potentiality if you like this is the infinite but we're dealing here with the large infinite because the greeks made a distinction between um infinite numbers you add a large infinite which infinite which was uh, the spiritual realm and then you add the small infinite which is the physical realm in which ideas are manifested the implicated order is manifested as the explicated order in quantum physics uh, which are particularized forms within platonic philosophy so um the Greeks had already deconstructed this, but in today's parlance, we talk about the uh, waveform and the particle, which is essentially the implicated order or the order of universal forms, which is explicated um, into particularized forms, as how Plato would have described this.
So, so when it comes um, that's to, a holographic culture. When it comes in, to, to, to holographic culture, and it's trying to, to dissect all of this, I, I love that sure. word because every word has, as you say, polymorphic meaning, multiple meanings. Sure. When we think of angels, when we think mm. of aliens, Elohim, the cherubim, sure. the, the, the seraphim, the, the jinn, Sure. Are we talking about the same con same concept here? It's just that now we see it more of a modern uh, <laughs> craft operated by beings from another dimension, planet, you name it, other galaxy. Are, are they the same that thousands of years ago people were reporting as angelic beings? Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.